4: There's a lot of anger towards the living.
5: I was thrown to this doorway.
6: It was kind of brutal. Oh, jeez.
4: They're banging on the walls, wanting to leave.
6: He went totally ballistic and killed her.
4: She's being assaulted. I'm not alone inside of my body. It's really bad in here. My name is Amy Allen. Something is not right. I see dead people. This person might have been a serial killer. I speak to dead people. You get those chills. And they speak to me. He is darkness. He is evil. (laughs) But there's only one way to know if my findings are real. I think she broke her neck. I rely on my partner.
7: I'm Steve DeShave. I'm a retired New York City homicide detective. Tell me the truth. I know every person. Every house has secrets.
1: I think the devil is down
7: here. It's my job to reveal. Him. Who the hell would do this?
4: But Steve and I never speak.
7: We never communicate during an investigation
4: until the very end.
7: Who's he looking to kill? We uncover if it's safe for you to stay.
4: You need to get out of here right now. Or time to get out. It was like endless darkness.
7: Amy and I conduct our investigations separately. I dig into the history of the location and interview witnesses about their paranormal experiences. While Amy deals directly with the dead. I'm in the small town of Radford, Virginia. It's about an hour outside of Roanoke. Amy and I were called in by this woman named Marcel. She saved a huge historical building from the wrecking ball. But she says ever since, her life's been nothing but a living hell. She says Amy and I are our last chance.
6: Before Amy arrives, I look for any leading information. Even though this building seems abandoned, I still have to cover or move anything that could influence her findings. When I'm done, the location will be ready for tonight's walk.
4: There are a lot of people here. Layers of people. There's about four women. They don't want to be here anymore. They want to leave and they can't. So they're all up there. These people. It's very physical. They can't breathe.
7: Marcel, you sounded really upset on the phone about what's happening here. What's going
8: on? We've had. People who have seen apparitions in the building. We have volunteers who have been picked up and tossed, hair pulled. Visitors come in that have left with scratch marks on them. And it seems that the activity has become more and more.
7: So with a list like that of things that are happening here, why would you stay?
8: For the love of the building. There's just something about it.
7: Almost all I got to say, this is probably one of the biggest buildings we've ever investigated. How big is it?
8: It's over 68,000 square feet. Wow.
7: Okay. What's the story as far as history goes? What do you know?
8: In the early 1900s, it became a sanatorium, and it stayed a sanatorium until the 1980s.
7: Well, you know, looking around, this is definitely a work in progress. What are your plans for it?
8: We would love to restore the building and turn it into a museum with history about the sanatorium, and we'd also like to put a research library in.
7: Do you do anything with it now, or is it just basically and you're in the repair
8: stage? In order to pay for the repairs, we've had some conferences here. We've had a wedding here recently. We're doing some parties.
7: OK, what are you hoping we can do for you with this investigation?
8: I'm hoping you can help us to find a solution. It's not only a passion in my heart. We're run by volunteers, and we don't want the people coming in to be harmed or injured. OK living people are not supposed to be here
4: dead people push themselves up against the walls to get out of their way they don't want to be bothered they don't like the living they're just pissed off and exhausted and they feel
8: so like tired
7: made you bring me down here
8: This is one of the rooms where I had one of my first experiences. One of our volunteers had, it was like something jumped into her.
7: Okay, so take me through what happened.
8: She became like in a trance. When she was talking, her words were all jumbled and garbled and just was not making sense at all.
7: Okay, so how did you get her out of it?
8: We pulled up Bible scriptures and read Bible to her.
7: Okay. Now, did she come out of it eventually?
8: Yes, it it took a little over an hour, but she did.
7: Do you know this girl personally? I do. Okay, is she on any medication that would make her... ...demeanor change, nothing like that?
8: No, not at all.
7: Anything else down here?
8: A woman screamed at me. Kind of like I startled her.
7: You sure it wasn't somebody playing games in here? There's no way. And you weren't open for any kind of business or anything like that? No, we were not.
4: There's like a woman running up to me, screaming. She's freaking out. She just says that it's time to go, and she's panicked. A living person would would feel this, this, like, panic. You feel like something really bad is going to happen. You feel like you need to leave.
7: I didn't expect to see a bowling alley in here. Was this used by the patients, or was this for the people that worked here? Primarily, it was used as a reward for good behavior from the patients. They were allowed to come down here and bowl. All right, so why'd you bring me down here? Well, I had my first
6: paranormal
7: experience in here. Okay, what happened? I had this large, white mist come through the door behind you and go down the bowling alley, and then make a hard right turn and go through the wall. What was odd is the temperature dropped. Okay. Anything else? My most horrifying experience happened just next to the file room. I got very dizzy, short of breath. Went to the uh, emergency medical area. Come to find out it was my pacemaker. And uh, went haywire and it was beaten at 133 beats a minute. Wow. And my blood pressure was 164 over 112. Now, Don, did the doctors ever come up with an explanation as to what happened? No, they couldn't even tell me one thing. There was nothing
6: to show what happened at all. Do you think people could live here?
4: No. I wouldn't live here. I don't think it's healthy. What would happen? I think that they would get sick. Just let the dead have it. Yeah, I just don't think living people should be here. It's probably
0: not a good idea.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
7: So, Chuck, I was talking to myself. You're the head of security here. Yes, sir. You're probably law enforcement, I assume? I'm a retired deputy sheriff. Okay. Have you ever had any experiences yourself? Uh, Yes, sir. I had one right here
5: standing on this lower step one night. I felt myself Levitate it was like I just became weightless. Okay started coming up and thrown over to this doorway I could just feel like something gripped me. Okay, okay, and had a hold of me to the point That I had no control over my body
7: I gotta tell you, Chuck, if you weren't prior law enforcement, that's not a story I would probably believe right away. I can totally understand that.
4: They don't really want us to be back here because this is their quiet area. I see this man, and he's getting a little frustrated. He's like their protector for the dead here. And I think she's trying to like set up like a safe zone or something for them. He says he's going to make me sick if I don't leave.
7: Now, did anything else like that ever happen to you? Yes, sir.
5: I left our gift shop area. Okay. There are some steps that will bring you up to this first level as I got about the sixth stair, I could see something standing there. I could see like the chest of it. Okay. And You can see the muscles just rippling through there. As soon as I saw that, I was picked up and not thrown straight back, but I was thrown over like the rails. Whatever it was had to be strong. Okay, did you get hurt? I mean, that's a big fall. It just really shook me up. felt like a bear got a hold of me. Okay. Just that much strength. How do you wrap your head around what's going on here? No, I can't even fathom what this thing is. Okay.
4: I don't even know what that guy's capable of, but I think he's um, pr- pretty capable of quite a bit.
6: Did you see him at all?
4: He does project himself. He is white, tall, and feels very young, but he's not, he's very old. And he's not happy. He does not want me to talk about him.
7: So Chuck, why'd you bring me down here?
5: When I come in this room, I have seen one face on several occasions.
7: Describe it to me.
5: His face is, is very round.
7: Okay. i say that he would have been a, a big man. OK. Does it look like he knows you're looking at him or like he's looking at anybody else? Oh, he definitely knows you're looking at him. Anything else happen? One lady, during an
5: investigation, she was hit between the breastbone. She was hit so hard that it left a bruise. And they told us the bruise was there
7: for almost two weeks. Okay, so when you say an investigation, we're talking about like a paranormal group? Paranormal group, sir. Any other thing physical happening here? Women have been
5: touched inappropriately. They find usually the woman who has the weakest emotions. Okay. And they just start there and just drain them. And for that reason, we don't allow any women in this room by themselves. Whatever's in here is just got something out for the women.
4: So now I'm seeing there's this new guy who tells me to call him uncle. He likes it down here. He's a big guy. He's pervy. He likes to touch women's hair. I suspect, like, it doesn't just stop with the hair, you know what I mean? And there are people maybe four that are banging inside and they want out. This dude, the uncle dude, trapped all their asses in there. It has something to do with money. Like, if he keeps them in there, he'll get more money. He's flooded this place with just nastiness.
7: Marcel told me that St. Albans used to be a sanatorium. Now, that seemed like a pretty good place to start my investigation. So I reached out to a local psychiatrist who told me that a lot of sick people lived and died on the property. So the current owner of the property I'm investigating told me that
9: it had been a sanatorium. Is that correct? that is correct that actually started out in the early 1900s as st alban's uh, school for boys okay Uh, that closed in 1911 uh, and dr john c king with his own funds uh, bought the facility and opened it up then as a sanatorium or a a freestanding private psychiatric hospital what
7: kind of patients would have
9: been there anyone from people that might have just exhaustion from overwork all the way through some of our severe psychiatric illnesses such as schizophrenia, manic psychosis.
4: So many different people. What do you mean? I'm seeing like people dressed in suits and like professional people. Now some guy is saying something like uh, about emotional trauma, he's like, I suffered emotional trauma. It was very dramatic. Walking from room to room, I keep seeing all of these different dead people. Some are depressed, some are angry, and they're all trying to speak to me. There's so much commotion and movement. They're banging on the walls. Wanting to leave, wanting to leave, wanting to leave. There's some like little lady, and she's like, oh, you know, like it's a processing plant. They process you, and then the guy says, oh, don't talk to them. They're they're f-ing lunatics.
9: So with these types of patients, there. Um what kind of treatments would they have had? It could have been anything from cold, wet wraps, all the way to things more evocative and potentially more powerful as well, such as psychosurgery, including lobotomies, insulin coma therapy, um, electroconvulsive therapy.
7: Now, is that the same as electroshock therapy?
9: Yes. So many were done at St. Albans during a stretch of time. They actually had uh, one machine that they, they called uh, Mighty Mouse, and they would just wheel it from room to room. It was kind of brutal to have done because no general anesthesia was offered. And so you would be fully awake when you were administered an electrical current that would induce a fairly significant uh, seizure. I mean, it had to be pretty painful. I actually have a film I'd like to show you to give you an idea of just how it was done.
7: Oh, jeez.
4: My feet, my like burning I feel like I'm burning I'm like shaking it hurts there is a female she's scared very 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 frightened she's shaking she feels like she's burning
7: about this place is 68,000 square feet so how many patients would have been in there thousands over the years now, place that big with that many patients, I got to assume there had to be a lot of deaths there.
9: You know, I, I think so, too. I, I was able to find 10 for sure, but I think that would be uh, gross underrepresentation of the deaths that likely would have happened.
7: Now, did they have a morgue there? Yes. Really? So, doctor, I got to assume that there had to be a lot more deaths there because you don't build a morgue for 10 people. That's right. You would not, absolutely. Okay.
4: I see a group of people sleeping on the floor here. It's just like a big heap of people. They're kind of covered up, like it's a mess.
7: Dr. Scheider had told me that St. Albans was an all boys school. Now, it didn't sound like much to me until I called a local historian to check it out. He told me that the story of the school's founder will definitely help my investigation.
10: The school was actually started by Professor George Miles. He was an educator, a well-connected businessman. He was also a wealthy individual. He had married into a wealthy family. Okay, so what purpose did he open it for? It was a preparatory school for boys. Here's actually an advertisement from 1892 when he opened the school. The idea was to train these young men to be uh, good gentlemen and also to prepare them for a track to go to university. Now, what kind of a guy was he? It depends on who you ask. He had this reputation of being respectable and dedicated to his work. But he was also scheming and abrasive.
7: Really? Now, what happened to the school? Because I understand it
10: became a sanatorium, so... Yeah. His business interests took him away from the school in 1902, and it kind of floundered without him. Okay. And in 1904, they shut it down. All right. So what winds up happening to him? Professor Miles actually uh, met a pretty tragic end. Early in uh, 1905, he admitted himself into a hospital and they found that he had liver cancer. And within two months, he passed away. He was only 42 years old.
4: Okay. I'm seeing the man who who calls himself uncle and he was in charge, very, very wealthy. And, and he was the start of this. And at first there was good intention. And then it went bad.
6: Can you describe him?
4: He's probably in his 40s. He's bald and he's pale. Uh, he's dying. And he feels guilty.
7: Now that I know my client's property used to be a prep school and a sanatorium, I need to see if anything else went down there. So I hit the books at the local library. Digging through old records, I discovered the murder of a girl named Gina Hall. Turns out, her car was last seen near Marcel's property. So I'm headed over to meet with a local police lieutenant who says that the connection between that case and St. Albans runs much deeper than that. Lieutenant, I came across an article talking about a homicide that happened that has a connection to the property I'm investigating. What can you tell me
6: about it? On June 28, 1980, Gina Renee Hall, age 18 years old, wanted to go dancing at a club in Blacksburg and met a guy named Stephen Everly, age 28, and he ended up talking her into going back to a lake house that his friend uh, was taking care of. Okay. What did the original investigators theorize happened? That... Epperly made some advances toward her, and she rejected those advances.
4: There was something with a female in here, and there's like an older man. She's kind of being messed with. I mean, I think he was like trying to kiss her or something,
6: and then it went bad. We believe that he just went totally ballistic and killed her and put her body in the trunk of her own car, drove her somewhere disposed of the body, and parked the car just down from where you're investigating with the trunk up. Wow. What do we know about this guy himself? I mean, what's his background? Eppley was a charmer to the ladies and thought very highly of himself. He was known to have a very violent temper and was actually charged previously before this happened with a couple rapes in the community. you kidding. So he had all the characteristics of
7: a guy that would do something like this? Yes.
4: First it was like teasing, then it wasn't teasing. He got, he got mad real quick and he like punches her. She's being
7: kind of assaulted.
6: He gets life in prison, first degree murder.
7: Now, what about the body? Was it ever recovered?
6: No. First case in Virginia that someone's convicted without ever finding the body. Wow. Where do you think the body might be? Some believe that it may be at the lake, uh, and some people believe that she's buried on the property you're investigating. The rumor was that he worked at St. Albans for a little while. Really? There's
4: uh, something really, really wrong. Um, I'm not alone inside of my body. As I'm seeing this brutal attack, I feel a woman jump me. She's entered my body. Whoa. Mm, that does not feel good. And she's not the only one here who can do this to living people. <laughs> no. No. For one of the few times in my life, I can't finish a walk. This woman refuses to leave my body, and I fear for my own safety. Are you okay? No.
10: She won't
7: leave. Now that Amy and I have completed our investigations, we're ready to reveal our findings to each other and our clients for the first time. Amy, I'd like you to meet Marcel. A few years back, she saved this building from a wrecking ball. Her dream is actually to turn this place into a museum. Mm. The problem is the activity here is so bad, she's afraid for any guests or any volunteers that work here. Now, speaking of volunteers, this is Chuck. He's a retired police officer. He runs the security here. He's been through some stuff I've never even heard before. Marcel wants to know if there's any way that she can safely turn this place into a museum. So now that Amy understands why we're here, I'm gonna ask her to tell us about her walk.
4: I got here and it was very confusing. And I got just layers and layers and layers of dead people. I got that a lot of the dead are extremely angry, uh, pissed off and exhausted, and that a lot of them do not care for the living. There was one location that I went to upstairs. The dead said that it was their quiet area and they didn't want me there. The person that I encountered, he basically was this group of people's leader and he is trying to enforce a safety zone for some of the dead here he was kind of whitish and tall and he was projecting himself as being younger than he actually is and he told me you better leave or i'm gonna hurt you he definitely has the capability of doing whatever he wants
7: could that person that's that advanced take a man that size and throw him
4: um yeah
7: i was asked to meet someone at the grand
5: staircase as I was on about the sixth step, something grabbed me and threw me over the rail. Wow. Describe what you saw. The chest, huge, like something's on steroids, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can see the muscles like he's very ripped.
4: hmm
7: Does that make sense to you?
4: Yes. Absolutely.
7: What else did you see on your walk?
4: I met a lot of strange people. It was kind of interesting because at one point I was seeing a lot of professional people and it was a weird contrast. Then I ran into this other guy who was just like so out of it and so lost that they were just bashing on, banging on all of the walls. So then I saw like a bunch of little old people And one of the little ladies said to me, she's like, yeah, this is just like a processing plant. And then the guy I was with turned to me and he goes, don't listen to them. They're all a bunch of lunatics.
7: This is easy enough to explain to you because you could take your pick on who you ran into. Because this place operated as a sanatorium from the early 1900s till 1980. And it was started by this gentleman right here. John C. King. They uh, treated people here from depression to drug abuse, alcohol abuse, up to full-blown schizophrenia. Really? Does it make sense to you about why you ran into all those different people? Yeah. yeah. Now, that's part of your draw that this was a sanatorium and you're trying to bring back the whole grandeur of this building, what it was at one time.
8: Yes. Once you come into the building, you're drawn to it. You, you just, you want to restore it. You want to bring it back to its original glory.
7: So what else did you see?
4: I physically had a very difficult time. I felt like my head was being crushed in. I couldn't breathe. A lot of the people I encountered were also having pain. There was one young girl that I saw who was having seizures and vomiting. Then there was a woman that I met downstairs who felt like she was burning. She was also shaking. And I do think that living people who spend a lot of time here would prone to having
7: symptoms of illnesses. Marcel, this is probably a good time for you to tell Amy about the incident with your husband, Don.
8: Don has a pacemaker. It's set to go at 60 beats and it it was racing into the 130 beats per minute. The doctors couldn't explain it. He has problems with his pacemaker every time he comes in.
7: Now, you got to know something about the sanatorium. Back in the day, they had some pretty primitive ideas of treatment here. You mentioned somebody who was shaken and felt burning and all this other stuff. And this was a woman, right? They had an instrument here called Mighty Mouse that they'd wheel from room to room and they did electroshock therapy. Okay. Now, do you think that's what that woman was going through?
4: Yeah, that I think so. I'm trained in psychology, so I'm very familiar with electroshock therapy. And now that I know what this building used to be, I realize that's what it must feel like. There's a lot of dead people Here, who feel trapped. And they were banging on the windows because they want to get out, they want help. I had them sketch that. They were very pale and extremely thin. Skeleton-ish.
7: Is this what you saw? Mm Mm-hmm. And you wanted to come back in here? No more guts than I do. I wouldn't want to come back in.
5: It's amazing, it's very sad.
8: Do you think it could've possibly been Patience
4: that was here? Now I'm thinking, yeah, probably.
7: Very sad. Now, is there any reason why they're trapped?
4: Yeah, so when I first got here, there was a male who was having me call him uncle. I know he was in charge, he was very powerful, very wealthy. When he started this, he started it with good intentions. And he was very odd-looking himself, and he was completely bald. The other thing with with this uncle was that he was kind of a pervert, and he really likes to do things inappropriate to women.
7: Let me ask you a question. Does he touch women? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, explain the boiler room to her. Women who
5: enter, they're drained down to the point that they're just ready to pass out. And there's inappropriate touching in there as well. And that's the reason we do not allow women by themselves in there.
7: You know, a lot of things you said reminds me of the guy that uh, actually built this place in 1892, the original founder of the building. Now, this is George Miles. Now, you mentioned that he started out with good intentions. He opened this up as a boy's school. And it was basically a preparatory school for um, young men to lead them onto a good path, so to speak. This guy was well-connected. He knew a lot of influential people. Many people said he was scheming, ambitious, abrasive. This is the way they described him. People thought he was a little bit money-hungry. Oh. Now, three years after he left the school, he got diagnosed with severe liver cancer. Uh, He was given early forms of chemotherapy and radiation, and he lost all his hair. And he died within a couple of months. What else did you see?
4: In the boiler room, when I walked in there, I saw a male and a female. And it seemed like she was kind of teasing him. He went in to kiss her. She wasn't going to let it happen. And then he started hitting her, and she was screaming and crying and um i believe there was a rape
7: that followed that do you think the girl that was raped was killed that you saw
4: Mm, yeah i think so
7: back on june 28 1980 this girl it breaks my heart to even talk about this story her name is gina hall she was 18 years old look at this kid she's everybody's daughter she went to one of the clubs here in town, and she ran to a guy, Stephen Eppoli. She went dancing. This guy was a charmer, good-looking guy. He convinces her to drive him to a friend's lake house. and That's the last time she's ever seen. Here's a picture of him. The guy in the middle, this is at his trial. They believe what happened she went back to the lake house. He made some sexual advances that she didn't like, and he killed her. Probably raped her. Her car that she drove him in was found literally yards from here. Her body's never been recovered. There's two theories as to where she is. She was either thrown in the water or she's buried somewhere on this property.
4: Oh, my God. Jeez. Pretty impressive walk you
7: already did. What else you see?
4: Towards the end of the walk, when I was in the basement, after all that, I got jumped. What happened has only happened a handful of times. As a professional, I couldn't finish a walk because this woman got inside of me.
7: How long did it take you to get rid of her?
4: Maybe like six to eight hours.
7: No, we've done over 50 cases together. It's the first time I'm hearing her not being able to finish a walk.
4: Yeah, so... She continued to stay with me. You know, we left, I was in the car crying hysterically. What she told me was that there's a lot of dead people here who can do this, um, that they can do it to people who are open or closed, who have abilities, who don't, or they can follow them. And they can influence a person to make anything from just simple bad decisions to, you know, harming themselves or harming somebody else.
8: Is it possible for someone to be jumped and not realize it, and change their whole demeanor, their whole personality, and change their relationships? Absolutely. I think it's changed my life. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's just a tough subject to talk about. We're talking about
7: you or somebody else?
8: Someone else.
7: Speaking with Marcel, I feel she's holding something back. And knowing that her husband, Dom, refused to come to the reveal, I started putting together why. If they have an ailment, are they more susceptible to being mm-hmm. jumped?
4: Yes.
7: Have an idea who you're talking about.
8: I need a few minutes, Kat. Sorry. <laughs> Guys, I want to apologize for becoming so emotional a little while ago. I don't know how I stood to explain it. Since I've become involved in this building, I've seen people's lives that have kind of changed, relationships that have changed. And uh, it's caused some problems in my own home. Nice people became angry or unhappy. And, I, you know, hopefully you can give us this some answers.
7: You've been hit with a lot of disturbing information tonight, but the biggest question is, can you turn this historic building into a museum and be safe? For that answer, I'm gonna turn it over to Amy.
4: This cannot become what you want it with what's going on here. It's far too dangerous. As far as what to do here, go into the largest room you have here and do a mass funeral. Get several different types of holy people. That way you're hitting as many religions as possible so that the people who are dead here, who feel an affinity for that religion, they'll go. This has to happen three times over a one month period. One month later, you're going to have to have an exorcism of the location. The entire location. Because unfortunately, you do have now these nasty people. They're gonna jump people. They've gone bad.
7: Will that get everybody out of here? Yeah.
8: I'm just amazed. We knew there were things going on here. Yeah. You've answered a lot of our questions.
7: The next question is the obvious one. You gotta to listen to what Amy says.
8: Well, we asked her to come in to give us a solution, so I think we need to follow through on it.
7: If they don't do it, is it gonna get worse here?
4: Well, I wouldn't come back.
7: She ain't coming back. You got problems. I got news for you.
4: With all of the dead inside this location, Marcel and Chuck have their work cut out for them. But I'm confident that if they follow my advice, they'll be able to keep their guests and employees safe from harm.